Warning, this podcast contains strong content and may not be suitable for younger audiences. Please listen at your own discretion. Hi, I'm Mahani. Hi, I'm Erin with two R's. Welcome to Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads, episode six. Six. (laughs) Today, we're going to be reviewing What Alice Forgot, chapters 20 through the end. (laughs) Putting Alice to sleep. Finally. I'm so sick of her. Uh, But first, we need to talk about the wine. Oh, yes, the wine. Probably my favorite part about this book is we got to explore the Australian Valley of wine because we're picking all Australian wines because Leon Moriarty is Australian. This thing takes place in Sydney. It just made sense. So today we're drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon out of the Margaret River, Western Australia area uh, called Ringbolt. It's color is absolutely gorgeous guys i mean it really doesn't get much prettier than this yeah the pour was it was beautiful i was like do it again do it again and so she did initially you get a lot of great acidy tart grapefruity notes um then it kind of rounds out into a very short berry flavor and you get this great briny after taste and then it just goes away it's it's so nice and dry it's, it's a lovely sip and very easy to drink. It's a really good cab. Good job, Australia. Well done. <laughs> Cheers. All right. So we are finally ending. And I say finally only because I feel like I have been tortured. No, I haven't. <laughs> Since I have... I finished this book rather, rather quick, rather, rather quickly, um, and I've had to hold so much stuff in. I'm so ready to comment on the, basically the finale of this book, what Alice forgot. Yeah. Well, at this point, it's what Alice remembers. <laughs> Pretty much. The the last 15 chapters or so were packed with stuff. So we get to know the children a little bit better. We end up over at Franny's retirement home doing a lovely little family talent night where Olivia does this cute little rebirthing dance, which, yes, I caught the analogy, okay? Thank you, Leanne. You made it very obvious. Well, I just... The fact that it was the youngest kid doing this, and I was like, do kids make these types of jokes at that age? Like, well... They do kind of say Olivia's a lot more mature for her age as far as sense of humor goes. But I agree. I thought that the children that she wrote were very uncharacteristic to their age. Very unchildren-like. Yeah. The the (laughs) 10-year-old was really acting like a teenager. The, how old is... The boy. The boy, six? Yeah, he was acting more like a, a... 10 or 11 year old and the little girl was acting a little bit more like a seven or eight year old i feel like the youngest would have been 10 just like considering the jokes and i would understand that a fifth grader who's advanced for their age would be able to do those type of jokes i just felt i felt like it was very uncharacteristic for the kids to be acting the, the way that they were i agree the same thing when um the kids were standing in the kitchen and alice is sitting with nick and they realize that their mom doesn't remember them. Mm-hmm. And 
instead of like they just really took it personal which i think a kids at the correct age that they are they would take it personal because yeah. they would feel like there was something that they didn't do that would make them not memorable but they were just kind of i don't know it was like an episode of friends where you know like maybe ross and um <laughs> rachel and monica are like phoebe doesn't remember us you know like it's just the way that exchange was was very old sounding yeah and it was it was mostly Madison that that I was getting a lot of. Uh, this doesn't sound like a ten year old, Miss Moriarty. It just doesn't. It's uh, brings me back to the whole. It's, this book seems very poorly researched. Um, I I just I I can't get over the whole paramedic thing. I'm sorry, I can't do it. Also, nobody would ever fall off a spin bike. But whatever. Also, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everybody I've said this to, like I say, oh yeah, she. This is the premise, you know. You should join us in our digital book club, and um, she falls off a spin bike, and everybody just kind of looks at me, really like that slow head turn and the slow blink. <laughs> well, from from a from a reform spin instructor, yeah, it's impossible to fall off a spin bike. It's stationary. It's stationary. Also, you're strapped into the damn thing. You you literally are. But anyway, we digress. We, we're digressing hard. <laughs> Can I also point out the coffee guy no, tells her more about her life than her family? Oh, that Can, can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> okay, What's but, wrong with her? Okay, but 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 in their defense, I remember working at a certain coffee shop. Um, and literally knowing a lot more about my customers than maybe their family knew. I mean, okay, guys, people, people out in listeners world, if your coffee guy knows more about your life than your family does, something needs to change. Well, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, like literally, like I'm, I'm thinking of like some of my favorite customers and I'm just like, I just knew I would ask about so-and-so or, you know, like, Hey. Are you getting your same drink? Okay. How are the kids? All right. Your wife came in the other day. Yeah. Are y'all not talking? Oh. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Well, my... Um. Well, she is alive. In case you wanted to know, you know. <laughs> my husband is also a barista, so yes. I, I, I've, I've heard all of the family stories. Mm-hmm. But seriously, guys, from a place of love, if the coffee guy knows more about your life, it's time to make a change. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going to... No. Okay. We're going to stop that. <laughs> so moving into... In chapter 25, we find out that Alice kind of became the domestic villain and Elizabeth kind of became the financial one when their mother shut down after the father's death. And the girls have been secretly mad at Barb ever since then. And we, at some point, they kind of agree to forgive her uh, here in chapter 29. They kind of make a truce with Barb because she's such a wonderful grandmother and she's trying so hard and she's made so many changes. They finally let go of this grudge that they've been holding on to against Barb. It's a crazy grudge to hold that way into adulthood. You know, if especially knowing what they know now and the trauma that they've been through now and like, the, you know, Alice's divorce going on and Elizabeth having failed in vitro um, fertilization, it, it just you would you would seem that 
that that that reconciliation would have happened sooner. You know, once you know something new and you're just like, okay, we've experienced loss um, or, or with Gina, even, you know, we've experienced loss. We need to go easier on our mom because if we're reacting like this during loss, how would you react to losing the love of your life? Yeah. As we can see through this book, none of the people in this book are very good at coping with any kind of trauma whatsoever at all, ever. They never learn how to do it. They never get good at it. It's at some point, somebody has to get at least a little good at dealing with trauma. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I can't even, literally, that should be a period. I can't even, period. You know, <laughs> just, I don't, I don't know if you get, and yeah, you do get better at coping with trauma. It doesn't hurt less. You just get better at it because you either had to, or you had help, or you had a therapist, and I mean, all of that's fine to do. It's just, if this is what your family, if you're, if you find that your family is going through something similar as Alice, I would encourage you to find a therapist. It's not taboo. And th they absolutely would have benefited from therapy. Nick and Alice's marriage, maybe not would have fallen apart if they had gone to like marriage therapy and gone separately. I feel like, not that I'm a, a you know, I don't know anything about this because I am like single AF. Um, <laughs> I am not. She is not. She's married. <laughs> but, um, you know, the theoretically in my head, <laughs> I feel like when if you were to need therapy as a couple, you also need to go on your own because there's something happening, happening, happening internally within yourself that you need to address separately from that other person. And then as you start doing that, maybe you should get back with that other person. That way you can start being more open with that person and working with a therapist to cope together because coping on your own and coping together is probably pretty different. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's I mean, thankfully, we've never gotten to the point where we don't communicate with one another but there have been times when <laughs> sorry <laughs> my husband just made eyes at Aaron no <laughs> that sounds horrible <laughs> that sounds horrible that no. did sound for not those kind of eyes he was he just gave her like the eye we had like, a there was a look there was a look <laughs> but no um so um yeah her husband's our producer yes <laughs> if you haven't figured yes. that out in the last five episodes <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know thankfully we've never gotten to that point where we haven't been able to talk things through but there have been times when it was you know what you need to sort through this issue by yourself and then we need to talk about it and on both sides I've mm -hmm. I've had many moments like that as has he and it's it's hard being in a relationship because of that you're you're functioning as a unit, but at the same time, you're still two separate, unique individuals. Mm -hmm. But still, you have to function as a unit. It's marriage is hard, guys. If you're if you're going into marriage thinking, oh, this is gonna be like Cinderella, and we all live happily ever after, you're wrong. It's it's wrong. Mar the the marriage part is a beautiful happily ever after, but then you get to do the marriage, and that's a whole nother adventure. Yeah, I I just. And there's and poison apples and dragons and all kinds of stuff in that adventure, guys. <laughs> I, 
I just, and I'm only, I, I can only make an obs- observation based on, you know, my parents' marriage mm-hmm. or, you know, my friends' marriages and, you know, just what I, I literally just observe everything. And that's probably why I'm single because when people walk up to me, I'm like, excuse me, I am looking at something. I am watching people right now. How dare you talk to me? That's probably why I'm single. Yeah, you're pretty privy to our marriage. <laughs> but I just, I, I'm I'm just being observant. So like when yeah. things are off, I'm just kind of like, Aaron, just shut up. There's really you're not in their marriage, so shut up. You know that. <laughs> so. Yeah, because you've never walked up to me and said, "What's wrong with you?" No, I do say, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> I say that to both of y'all. But anyway, this is not. <laughs> this is not what's happening with Alice. None of her friends nope. are doing that, and I think it's just because. We have a good friendship and we have other good close friends that would do that for us and yeah. say, um, honey, I don't know what the heck is going on in your head, but if you don't get it fixed, I will fix it for you and neither of us will like it, you know? <laughs> well, and I, I think that that's part of the reason why Alice and Gina got so close because as as Nick was kind of falling away due to work and business, Gina was there and she was at some point, she almost became almost more of a partner to Alice than Nick did as far as domestic. Okay. uh, The domestic side goes, but there was that incident with Gina's husband and the lady from what the kindergarten network. I don't know what they're called. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> the, the, the PTA uh, or the PTO or the, she, the family. She was, the, she was the assistant principal. Yeah, yeah. And she had that incident with the husband and I just feel Alice and Gina should have just been mad at Gina's husband. And really it was Gina's place to be mad at Gina's husband. Alice should have just been the supportive friend and saying, hey, it had nothing to do with you or, you know, you. It, just, it wasn't about you. It really was about this this hoe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you and, know. And really, Alice should have stepped away and let them work it out on their own. And they very well may have or not, but it, it would have been irrelevant. But the problem was Nick kind of took the husband's side because he was really good friends with him, too. Well, I don't think he took his side. I think they were just friends. Friends. And when your friends do something stupid, you don't stop being friends with them necessarily. Right. But that doesn't mean you support what they did. It just means y'all are still friends. Right. But they perceived it as right. Nick taking his side. And so that's kind of what started creating that big wedge. And, you know, Alice kind of had all of this fury towards Nick because first he was away all the time. Now he's, quote unquote, taking... Uh, what's his name? Mike's side, and you know, then all of a sudden, Gina's dead, and she has nothing, and this just drove her off the deep end, and then everything just snowballed from there, and so now they're getting it. They got separated. Now they're getting divorced. I just therapy would have solved You're all correct. of this, and well, not solved it, but it would have at least helped them with coping mechanisms. I think they could have worked through this without going to divorce, but obviously Alice does not come from a family where they talk about things. And Nick seems like he might be from a family that talks about things. And when Alice shut down, so did Nick, you know? Well, and, and I just want to point out how Elizabeth interacts with her 
person therapist jeremy her jeremy i'm gonna call him her, her jeremy. jeremy with her therapist and she makes all of these assumptions and she hides things from him it's this Alice is clearly not from a family who knows how to communicate appropriately or cope with anything at all ever appropriately. Anything appropriately. So, so I think we should probably stop here and I think this is a good stopping point too. Get some tea. Absolutely. So we'll finish our wine and then get some tea. <laughs> yes. So we're gonna finish up these couple wine uh sips of wine and get the tea going it's a couple bottles <laughs> don't judge me and get the tea going and we'll be back with you guys to finish off what alice forgot on wine tea bit. and tasty reads okay Welcome back to Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads. Welcome back! <laughs> so we're finishing up What Alice Forgot, and we're going to give you a sneak peek into our next book. Ooh. Okay, I don't know why it's spooky, but let's go ahead and talk about our tea. Today, we're revisiting one of our favorite teas. It's Sleepy Time Vanilla, because um, we are ready to put Alice to rest. So we have, once again, Lovers of Vanilla, rejoice! Okay, it's that same um, floral blend of chamomile, cool spearmint, lemongrass with that back end taste of vanilla. If you need to go to sleep, this is what you drink before you go to sleep. I'm just saying. It makes you go, mmm. It doesn't have, what is it, the knockout root? Which root is that? Valerian. Yeah, I could not figure that out. I was trying to, it doesn't have that in there. Mm -mm. It's just um, that Valerian and Hawthorne, if you want to go to sleep. Yeah. Get you a tea with those in it. They will knock you Valerian and Hawthorne is go the fuck to sleep tea. (laughs) (laughs) But this is not in this. This is just really calming. Chamomile calms you down. So this is just go to sleep tea. We need need it to calm down because Alice made us real hot Mm -hmm. in the end of this book. Yes. So let's talk about Alice and Gina. That's the chamomile, guys. Right? (laughs) So Alice and Gina, what can I say? This is is an unhealthy relationship from the get-go. She shows up on her doorstep and is like, hey, you want some tea? And she goes over there and is like, actually, I want a champagne. Yeah, it's a really weird friendship. The way it started was weird. The way it ended was tragic. It, everything in between was just very unhealthy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I got that. That's how I felt about the whole thing. Reading it. I think I had that, um, you know, the emoji where it's not a smile. It's that teeth one. Yeah. That was me reading this section. Like, Anything about <laughs> Gina was like, oh, God. <laughs> it just... It hits you the wrong way and you want it, Gina, to be this whole book. I want it, Gina, to be like this amazing person, this angel that was just the glue that held the friends together. And she was glue, but it was like that nail glue that you get with the fake nails, the press on ones. Yeah, it's that glue. That's the glue that she was. <laughs> it turns to powder after a little while. Yeah, right. It just snaps off and you're just like, oh, gosh, well, uh, that's so it much for that. <laughs> So actually, I was kind of on the other side of the 
ship with that. I I kind of wanted Gina to be this unhealthy, crazy person that it's just, oh, thank goodness she's dead. And <laughs> ding dong, the witch is dead. Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's what that's kind of I was. Well, so anyone can see the Alice in Wonderland nuancey things to this book. I know it she took was, me a while to get it because it just for me, it wasn't. It wasn't effective. It's was it that Pokemon thing where you pick a, a thing and it's like it's not very effective. <laughs> you pick yeah. a move and you try to use it to get rid of your opponent. Yeah, I <laughs> I mean I caught what she was trying to do. I didn't really agree with her methods, but to <laughs> She's me being cautious because of me, I'll explain later. <laughs> to to me, I I wanted Gina to be kind of the queen of hearts. She was that really good friend that was totally fun and normal until everything went wrong, and well, then she became crazy. She kind of was the queen of hearts. It just yeah. it wasn't so much that she went crazy. I mean, the the characters are approximated, yes, as something else. Yes. You know, like the kids, those are obviously the Mad Hatter and the, the Dormouse and the March Hare. Like, that's, yes, that's obviously Absolutely. who they are. I agree. Um, and then Elizabeth is almost like her, her, um, her anchor to the, no, no. I felt like she was the uh, governess, you know, at the beginning of the movie. Okay. She's sitting with her governess and Elizabeth is being like very logical and like, let's be reasonable. And then Alice goes through the looking glass and that's, that's the that's what I got was the correlation between the characters. See, I was thinking more like Tweedledee, Tweedledum kind of nuancey things because she Tweedled- got kind of bipolar with it. Well, I think Tweedledee and Tweedledum were actually her friends, her her new friends. Oh, with like yeah, the, the-, the cari- caricatures of the moms at that ridiculous kindergarten party. And I think that was meant to be the Mad Hatter's tea party. But I just, and the reason I, like, I'm making these connections and it's just like. They're loose. Yeah. They're so loose. And, and I don't, you know, and it's to this point that they're so loose that I almost feel like she accidentally did this, you know, and if she did it on purpose, well, great. Cause, but no, not great. I don't. Leon, I am very sorry. I didn't like this book. I, you didn't. <laughs> I feel horrible. I'm just like I really wanted to like it, and I didn't. Um, and ugh, just that unhealthy relationships, and I just I'm starting to feel like there's a theme in her writing with you know healthy and unhealthy relationships. The other book I did the research on, Madly Deeply Guilty. It had unhealthy relationships in it, but they were, I felt like the resolution was clearer. And because it was a book later in her career, I feel like there was a little bit more synthesis. I feel like this was kind of off the rails because she was trying to do something very specific and it ended up being very specifically loose. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. I also kind of did Tweedledee with Tweedledum with uh, George and... What were the little lions, the lion things? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of did Tweedledee and Tweedledum with them, but I wasn't really sure. I, at some point I did, I just kind of started making connections where there probably weren't any. Um, it was pretty clear to me that the lady with the blue hair that showed up at Franny's family night thing that walked up to Alice and said, oh, you and your husband seem so in love. She was obviously supposed to be the the caterpillar. 
I just, I, I guess I didn't get that because he was like, who are you is all I think. And I think of like rings of smoke and yeah, but psychedelic the cat- colors and eating a mushroom or something. Well, But the caterpillar was supposed to be pointing Alice in the correct direction. And that's what this lady did. She kind of pointed her in the correct direction and didn't really interfere whatsoever. Just said, let's go this way. And that's the Cheshire cat. Oh, the Cheshire cat did that. Yeah. Okay. Take it back. Not the caterpillar. Okay. The Cheshire cat. <laughs> That's why I was so good. Okay. We're on the same page now. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies, podcast world. I had my characters podcast mixed up. Podcast world. It's okay. It happens. And Thank you. I, you know, people, it's, it's not important to know this, but I'm literally... This is my world. Alice, like, through the looking glass is just, I live in the other side of the looking glass as often as possible. I'm not eating mushrooms and drinking questionable items <laughs> or anything like that. Well, that was that bad wine we had one time. Oh, we don't talk about that. We poured it down the sink. We did. <laughs> wow, I wiped that out my memory. Anyway, Back Never forget Gina. a bad wine. You don't want to accidentally drink it again. I won't because I'm going to ask our guy at Specs. But <laughs> let's go back. <laughs> we really kind of got off the rails on Gina. Um, let's go back to um, a little bit of Gina and her relationship with her husband and the friendship that both she and Gina had and then her husband and Gina's husband had. Right. So we see clearly that there's a strain on the marriage, the relationship between Nick and Alice. And then when this thing between vice principal, whatever her name is, happens in the laundry room at this party between uh, Mike or Gina's husband and, and this vice principal lady, when that happens, it just it's almost like the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, Gina starts having trouble with Mike. Uh, Alice and Gina both perceive that Nick is taking Mike's side because he just wants to be stay friends with his friend because just like any other good friend, you don't drop a friend because they made a mistake. That's messed up. Right. And so they perceive that as Nick taking Mike's side, which is completely out of line. And... All of this side taking ha- starts happening, and then suddenly Gina's getting a divorce from Mike, and she's a single person, and Alice is suddenly jealous of her. And I really do think that that's what broke Nick and Alice. I think, I really think Alice idolized Gina so much to the point that she stopped being herself and started trying to be Gina. I agree completely. And that's why I kept saying when every time you were like, oh, Alice and Elizabeth, they switch. And I'm like, nope, it's not that. It's a completely different thing together. It it just, she wanted, I, I don't know if she just felt guilty about Gina, Gina's tragic death or if she just, she felt like by being becoming Gina, Gina still had some sort of life. Or by being herself, she would not be able to remember Gina. Something something like that. And and it, I, I, I don't really understand because, like, I've never lost a friend tragically like that. Knock on wood. Um, Indeed. <laughs> um, and I, I just don't know what 
I don't know how I feel about a lot of things, but I don't think I would try to become that person. Yeah, I I caught that too. I actually wrote down in my notes that Alice absorbed Gina like a sponge. It it was it was very unhealthy how she reacted, and then to sit there and do everything that she wanted to do. It it was just it's completely unhealthy relationship. It was, and but I I will point yeah. out that. Elizabeth and Alice do kind of do this back and forth hoppy thing. So I'm I, I agree with you on the Tweedledee Tweedledum thing. That's kind of what where I was coming from with it, where they were the twins that kind of go back and forth with each other. Because Elizabeth was this business minded person, and then Alice was this shy person, and then all of a sudden Elizabeth wanted was trying so hard to become this family person, and almost reflect Alice life. Uh, and then Alice became this, I'm going to make it in my own world because I'm, I need to be the best at this because my husband's the best at what he's doing. So therefore I need to be the best at what I'm doing. And again, that was probably another thing that tore apart their marriage because Nick likes saving things. He's, he's a man's man and he likes to save people. It's, kind of normal for guys I think to to want to at least step in and feel like a hero every once in a while and she just was not allowing that at all everything that he did was wrong everything that he put on the children was silly everything that he suggested was ridiculous or it needed to be fixed I mean that's that's emasculating to anybody anybody would get frustrated with that and I think that's really the reason why Nick shut down because Gina was, or I'm sorry, Alice was trying so hard to be perceived as the best in everyone's eyes that she was shutting down the one person that she could actually lean on and she needed to lean on. He needed her to lean on him. Uh, we, they have this sweet little scene later on um, in later chapters that uh, Alice remembers this moment with Ben where she's just so overwhelmed with the children. She's squeezing Ben. She needs sleep so desperately. And she goes up to Nick and she says, you need to lock me up and put me in the in a crazy asylum. And he says, why? I, I was trying to suffocate our child. He's like, go to sleep. You need to go to sleep. And he postponed his work trip and took care of the children and just let her sleep for eight glorious hours. And she woke up and just reminded it just reminded her how much she loved him. And we see this back and forth between what's happening with Dominic and Nick. And it's just clearly what's hap what's happening with Dominic is pretend. It's shallow. It's new. She wanted it because it was different. And she enjoyed watching Nick be jealous. And the fact that she wanted him to be jealous only proves to me that there's still something there. Obviously. And, yeah, obviously there was because at the end of this stupid book, we get this epilogue where we have this mystery man saying, Ben came Ben came or Tom came home last night. And well, we got we before we get to the epilogue, we have to talk about 
what Alice forgot. And then she remembered during the big meringue thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself again. Alice triggered her memory with the smell of this meringue pie baking. Uh, again, Gina's obviously the queen of hearts, right? We've, we all agree on this. So the meringue pie is baking. It reminds her of Gina, and all of these memories start flooding back to the point where she gets lightheaded and starts to faint. Both Dominic and Nick come to her rescue and pull her out of this crowd that she's standing in while she's getting this barrage of 10 years worth of memories. And she comes out of it and looks at Nick, and Nick just steps back and says, I told you you wouldn't want to get back together. And you Who owe didn't me- say all of that? Who said you got your memory back? Well, he, actually, he just said, you owe me $20 because they, yeah. made, they made that bet. Well, and I don't want to go too so far into this because, like, the, the most of everybody read it, and we know that she get her memory back. So let's the memories that returned. The, what the problem was that I got was that I feel like the book should have been more of when she got her memories back. What are the steps that she took to end up back with Nick? I think that would have been the more interesting story. I agree completely. And we did not get that. Nope. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing. So, um, hey, final thoughts about this epilogue or whatever. So I, I read this book as a lesson of coping with grief and what's really important in life. Because if you don't cope with your grief, guys, it's going to smother every relationship you have. I mean, this woman was blaming her 10-year-old child for her best friend's death, which is oh, madness. They didn't even address it with the kid. The kid witnessed the death. So I, I guess my takeaway is when something traumatic happens and your children are present, please make sure not only you get the help that you need and converse about it, get your child the help that they need. That should not be something, if you're blaming your child for something that was not either of your fault, y'all need therapy. And it's not, I'm not even saying that to be like derisive or condescending. I'm really saying this because you, you actually do, there are people trained out there to help us learn how to cope. And it's not a textbook thing. Like they look at you as a person and they say, this will probably help you if you do it. If you don't do it, then no, it's not going to help you. You're going to be like Alice, and we're going to be talking about Elizabeth. you like this. You're going to be like Elizabeth. You're going to like both and her, of them. And her lying to her therapist. At and least she was things. the only one seeking therapy. That's a fair point. She was trying, and she. I think eventually she started doing that. But Well, you notice when, when just, she actually started doing what Jeremy said, she was you know a, lo- a lot more sane. It's just this this book, if you like super happy endings, then... And you don't care how they got there. <laughs> this is the book for you. I think if you like books like this, if this storyline, the plot sounded interesting to you, and either you felt like us where it was just like, this was not what I was expecting, and you really want it more, then I would recommend Madly Deeply Guilty. The, the, her writing is different style. She was not trying to do any parallels to any books. And so if you felt like the plot was interesting... Even if you didn't get what you wanted out of it, I would say read the other book. That's that's that was my takeaway. And I tell you, I, I yelled via text 
to Mahani that she was torturing me by making us drag this on. Because I'm so sick of Alice. I'm just so sick of her. And I feel like the other characters in the other book were just better. I felt more sympathy or empathy or whatever I'm supposed to feel for them. Um, <laughs> whatever it is. But <laughs> that's the book. Um, I think we might have to do like a live kind of chat something with this because... <laughs> <laughs> we might need to get some people to, to give us some opinions and continue this later. We have so much to say. Yes. But um, let's go ahead and switch gears because our next book, we've already started reading and we're actually really excited about this book. It, so excited, guys. I... I oh. There's a lot of stuff. It's nothing like Alice. It's so much. And um, so the name of the book that we are reading next is Children of the Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. And when I tell you this is the, her storytelling is nearly unmatched. She's up there with the greats. Agreed. <laughs> and just... and the the brutality of the villains is just so dark and the heroism of the heroes is so light it's like it's like reading a yin yang (laughs) right it's just they're so diametrically opposed yeah that's what that phrase is for yeah absolutely and 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 i i i appreciate it even more because she made an actual character that was diametrically opposed because they the the main character has stark white hair and jet black skin and you know all throughout the the whole first few chapters of the book you get this stark contrast of everything it's delightful it's it just imagery storytelling all of it this book has so much, and I'm so excited to see the progression of the characters. Um, just a brief little um, synopsis or just um, about this. Um, a the, taste. Uh, just a taste. Um, the The first little bit that we get is that um, before the beginning of the first chapter, you get a map. Oh, I love maps. And then you also get this memory of one of the characters at this point you don't know who and it's saying I try not to think of her but when I think of her I think of rice and all of the things that her mother and it's like magical and things she would the myths she would say at night and um incantations that spewed from her mouth like lava the magic of death that led her astray I think about the way um I think about the king who took her away and it was just, this was, um, I don't remember where this phrase, I mean, you know, where this was or anything like that, but it just, that set the tone for the entire book. You have these four, well, three and a half <laughs> main characters, and there is just, there's, it's it's very much a nobility versus the people and the people have magic and the nobility don't anymore. And that's what you find out. It's not that nobody had magic. It was like everybody had magic. And then these people decided 
they were not connected anymore. And so it's this big journey. And this is book one of a trilogy. So, um, it, it, I don't know. I, and I, I went back and forth. You, you've just been listening to the audible, right? Yes. I've, I've gone back and forth between the, um, ebook to audible. And I, I just, I can't tell you which one I like the best. I, I think the, the narrator in the audible book is very compelling to very good voice actress. Agreed. Very good. Uh, I, I can tell when the inflection is, you know, the main character, Zaley. I can tell when it's her brother, Zane. I can tell when it's um, Amari. I can tell when it's Inan. It's just, I can tell when it's the corporal. Is it a corporal? The the lady that's with Inan? I forgot her name. I don't remember. I can't remember, but it's, um, or general or whatever. I don't know. I don't know the ranks. Don't, don't at me. It's, it's a, <laughs> sorry, it's irrelevant to us. It's really not. I, I'll do you. Um... It's, it's, I don't know. I'm so excited. I'm so enchanted by this book that I've gotten so many people listening to it just because they were in proximity to me while I was listening. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm super excited to share this book with you all. Um, what did you think about it so far? I, I agree with you completely. The The imagery that, that she creates is parallel to none i mean she's i'd i'd compare her to tolkien it's you know and yeah but i would venture to say that the move the the book moves at a faster pace than most fantasy novels yeah yeah i'll go along with that we we get introduced to all the characters pretty quickly it's and it's very fast paced those first few chapters are a lot to take in guys so yeah, don't skip them. I know that the first chapter, it took me a while to get through chapter one. Yeah, And I, I'm used to having to struggle through chapter one of fantasy novels because it's just how it's written. I actually I actually listened to chapter one twice. <laughs> they, it, there was a lot of information in there. It's like, wait, what? Wait, what? And it's, yeah, I listened to chapter one twice and took different notes both times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one of those books. Um, I will even have notes this time. Usually I just kind of, you know, highlight things that I think are important. But this book, I, I've been reading it so fast that I haven't even stopped to take notes. Yeah. It, to, I just want to read more. <laughs> to, to say that it, it's, it's, a, it's a very heavy read, but it's an easy one. You guys are yeah. going to love this book. It's action-packed. Um. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you guys. Also, I'm looking forward to discussing all the different points. This lady is, I, I, I would, I'd, I'd go so far as to compare her to a modern Tolkien. Yeah. She's right up there with him. The, the scenery that she creates is vivid and clear. I know exactly what I'm looking at. I know exactly what I'm feeling. I know exactly who's talking. It's, yeah, it's the, so clear. It's so clear. It's not confusing at all like you would get to some fantasy. And we also have, I think you've picked out some really bold wines oh, yeah. for this book. They're dark and heavy and rich. <laughs> Just like this book. 
It's funny to say that. I just I didn't expect myself to say that. I'm like, it's just like this book. Um, I but, I got with I got with Frank, and I said, I need something dark. I think we're gonna have some red teas with this, some Maribos. Ooh, yeah. I think we're gonna do some of that. Um, Some hibiscus, maybe. Or some spice teas. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, everything we have on this is gonna be really rich. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with y'all. I know she is. Oh, yeah. Ready. So ready. Cheers until next time. And remember, don't waste your time drinking bad wine. Don't oversteep your tea. And join us next week on Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads, a Chiro Music Production.